Hello and welcome to another edition of Teaching English is Fun, the podcast for teachers by teachers. And today I'm going to talk about a fun little uh, exercise. It's called a walk in the woods. This is Jim here, and uh, this is a psychological quiz, and it's a fun little ESL activity. Actually, it's fun even if you aren't taking or teaching English as a second language. And students really love these psychological quizzes uh, as much as I like giving them out. So I usually do this as a whole class. Or if my class is rather large, I might have them talk about the answers to these questions in smaller groups. I like to go over this one together just in case there are any questions or new terms that need to be explained. And some of these questions aren't exactly evident, so uh, so you can you can uh, explain those to them as you go over these. Now I try to have them um, give the answer and then give a reason to generate more conversation. Having the students discuss what the questions mean is also a nice way of going about this class. Often uh, I look for quizzes, tests, surveys, all kinds of things that that would be suitable for class. And this is one of the the more fun exercises that I've found. Now the class level, uh, I would say probably intermediate to high. You may be able to to make some of these a little bit lower level. Um, you, you may have to explain more though if you're teaching lower level students. And the uh, class size would can be modified for a class of up to 10 to teach together or um, maybe small groups of three to four. So if you have a very large class, I mean, I had some classes I was teaching 30 students at a time. So I would put them in smaller groups and have them work with each other. And that that was the only way that they were going to get any decent talk time in class. So this is called a walk in the woods. And let me go ahead and begin this. Um, Now, for if I know sometimes I have some students who are listening here. If you're listening along, just uh, listen and you can Try to answer these and talk about these and take this test on your own. If you're a teacher out there, you can do the same if you've never heard this before. So, number one, you are walking in the woods. Who are you walking with? Number two, as you walk through the woods, up ahead, you see an animal in front of you. What kind of animal is it? Describe the animal. Number three, what interaction takes place between you and the animal? Uh, By interaction, I mean what happens between you and the animal. Number four, uh, you walk deeper into the woods. You enter a clearing. Before you is your dream house. Describe its size. How big is the house? How big or how small is your dream house? And number five, is your dream house surrounded by a fence? That's just a yes or no question, or yes or no answer. All right, and number six, you enter the house. You walk in the dining area and you see a dining room table. Describe what you see on and around the table. And number seven, you exit the house through the back door. 
Lying in the grass is a cup. What material is that cup made of? For example, is it made of ceramic? Is it made of uh, glass? Is it made of paper, metal, something like that? All right, number eight. What do you do with the cup? For example, if you, do you take it? Do you leave it there? Uh, do you use it, for example? All right, and number nine, you continue walking to the edge of the property and you find yourself standing at the edge of a body of water. A body of water means like just some, something like, a, like a, a large amount of water. So what type of body of water is it? For example, is it a creek? Is it a river? Is it a lake? Is it an ocean? What kind of body of water is it? And number 10, the last one right here, how will you cross the water? For example, you could swim across the water. Um, maybe there's a boat there and you take a boat. Uh, you can, you know, it's, it's your imagination. So maybe there's a bridge and you cross over the bridge. So how do you get across the water? How will you cross that? All right. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to... Uh, listen to the answers to the quiz, just real quick for you teachers out there. Um, one thing you can do with this is to play this for your students and make it a listening exercise as well. I, I did that uh, in my latter time of teaching. I A lot of times I, I recorded myself just asking questions like this. And uh, you'd be amazed how difficult sometimes it was for students to get what I said off of recording because they didn't have maybe my facial cues or whatever to go with it. So uh, that's just another twist on this. So we'll be back with the answers in just a second. And now it's time for the answers to the quiz. This has been a relational psychology test. The answers to the questions have been shown to have relevance to values and ideals that we hold in our personal lives. And here is the analysis. Number one, the person you are walking with is the most important person in your life. Number two, the size of the animal is representative of your perception of the size of your problems. Your perception means not necessarily are your problems that big, but... Uh, they could be bigger, they could be smaller, but your perception, the way you look at your problems, that's the size of the animal. Number three, the severity of the interaction you have with the animal is representative of how you deal with your problems. So for example, if, I don't know, if it was a, a bear, a big problem, and you shoot it, maybe you are very aggressive and you deal with your problems right away. You know, if you uh, make it run away or you try to chase it away or if you leave it alone, if you don't touch the animal or you're very passive towards it, it means maybe you don't deal with your problems that, that uh, aggressively. You just kind of let your problems stay there. So number four, the size of your dream home is representative of the size of your ambition to resolve your problems. So if you got a big, huge house, means you have a big ambition to fix and resolve all your problems. All right, number five, if you have no fence around your house, that is an, an 
indicative of a open personality. People are welcome at all times. Now, if you do have a fence, that means that you have more of a closed personality. You'd prefer that people not drop by unannounced. Actually, that's my house. <laughs> I don't really have a fence right now, but I think my dream house would have a fence with a gate and guard dogs. <laughs> All right, number six. If your person did not, or sorry, if your answer, this is the uh, kitchen table. If your answer did not include food, people, flowers, something like that, then you are generally unhappy. So if your answer did not include food, people, or flowers, then you are generally unhappy. Number seven, the durability of the material, and this is the cup. You find the cup and you pick it up. The durability of the material uh, with which the cup is made is representative of the perceived durability of your relationship with the person from number one. So for example, the most important person in your life, right? For example, styrofoam, plastic, and paper are all disposable. And you don't really value the person long term. But if you have something like glass or ceramic, they're a little more precious and mean that you have a strong but maybe fragile relationship. Meanwhile, if you have something like metal, wood, or I have plastic here twice, so I don't know. But, but metal, wood, or plastic, uh, they last longer, right? So you have a strong longer lasting relationship but maybe depending on what kind of plastic cup if it's cheap plastic like a disposable cup or if it's a uh, cup that you keep for a long time all right and then number eight moving on uh, what you do with the cup is representative of your attitude towards the person in number one and so for example if you you know throw the cup away uh, maybe, you know, you're, you're, even though that person is important, maybe you can do without them, right? For example, but if you take the cup and you hold it and you keep it for forever, right? Or put it in your pocket, maybe that means you, you kind of value that and you want to keep that relationship. All right. Number nine, the size of the body of water is representative of the size of your sexual desire. And this one right here, if you're teaching a class, it, it uh, like I say, this, this, this exercise is good for adults. If you're teaching children, of course, you don't want to do number nine question, right? So and even if you're teaching adults, you have to be careful of of uh, the culture that you're teaching in and, and whatever else. Otherwise, you could find yourself in trouble. And maybe how well you know your students also. Number 10, how wet you get in crossing the water is in indicative of the relative importance of your sex life, right? So if you're very wet, right, it's very important to you, right? But if you're, you know, ride a boat across or walk across a bridge, maybe not as important. Okay, now moving on right here, that is the test. And uh, notice right here, this class is intended for adults, especially because those last two questions. Um, now, the last couple of subjects, you may or may not want to have those questions in there, depending on the class, uh, and you may have to adjust those questions a bit. You might also 
uh, have to consider the culture that you're teaching in and the mix of students when you're discussing certain things. I noticed I had some classes where I had like all guys in my class and uh, they would get a little bit rowdy and they would sometimes talk about things that we never would have talked about if we had had a mixed class of men and women. So um, generally, I've never really had a problem with my classes, but you might want to hold off on those that type of topic until your students get to know you better. Uh, yeah, there are a number of actually taboo and controversial subjects that students actually love to talk about. So um, I may, I'll see if I can find some of those. But you, whenever you do broach those situations, you want to make sure that the class knows you well and they like you. And you've got to be, you got to be aware of the age of your students and the maturity level of your students, as well as maybe any political implications, depending on where you're teaching. If you're working over in China, for example, you probably don't want to be discussing uh, democracy, for example, right? I was teaching soldiers for a bit in Korea, and uh, with politics, I was not, they were not really allowed to talk about their political beliefs. So um, I got around that sometimes by just telling them, you are pro, you are con. And then they had to defend that position. No matter what their personal thoughts were, they had to defend a certain position. So um, that's always something that you can do to, to get around that. If you do have a, a discussion where maybe students are not allowed to say what they feel, you, you can tell them, well, you're going to take this position and I want you just to defend it. In fact, sometimes what I do, I have a debate and, uh, for example, if I have people who are smokers, I tell all the smokers that you must defend why smoking is bad. And then I tell all the non-smokers they have to say why smoking is good, right? And uh, and vice versa. Uh, let me see. There's another one. Um, I think I did another class where I talked about marriage. And I'm going to see if I can find some of my stuff on marriage. I had some really good topics for that. But what I would do is I would actually have students do a debate on on uh, whether it was good to, to be married or not married. And I would take all the students who were single and I would have them defend the married side and take all of the non-married, sorry, all of the married students and have them defend the single side and vice versa. So um, it was really, really fun. Well, until next time, I will be seeing you soon or talking to you soon. Remember that teaching English is fun.